Hey, welcome to another episode of Riftwalkers. If you haven't already, check out our other show, The Skeleton Crew, where I voice the lovely, lovely Skoga. We just had our season two finale over there, and let me tell you, it's juicy. Okay, you're going to want to listen to it. Also, if you're not already, come join our Discord. You can come say hi, hang out with us, and some other fans of the show. Now, with Val finding himself alone after trying to teleport the group to his home city, the question remains... What happened to the others? Find out now on Riftwalkers. It is a bright light that greets your eyes as they flit open and you awaken. Looking around, something is strange. Rolandir looks to his left and sees nothing. Just grass, hedges, topiaries. And then to his right, he sees the still form of Lerotz. His chest slowly moving up and down under his heavy armor. It seems you two are alone. Noticing the vacancy to his left and Lerotz on his right, and then he's laying down in this field, apparently, of flowers and whatnot, he, Rolandier stands quite hurriedly and... He looks down at Lerotz and says, Lerotz, stand up, quickly. Where, where have the others gone? And then uh, as he says this, he says, <laughs> Goodness me, I should focus so hard there that I just started to not off a bit. Uh, happens when you're my age. And the others who say, well, I, I don't see them close, but this is a garden. So I imagine we've all come to the same place. No need to worry. Maybe we just give a shout for them. They'll come running. If slash as Lerotz is shouting, Rolandier's racking his brain, just looking around, and he's trying to compare the scene that's in front of him versus what he can remember of the conjured image that Val had brought right before they went. It looks similar. It's definitely a garden of sorts. The structure that you're next to seems to be a manor home. You're situated in hills, still among a larger city avenues and streets going down into said city and other large structures bordering you on the what seems to be northwestern and southeastern sides of things whether this manor home is the one that val grew up in the one that val wanted to take you to though it's not abundantly clear okay and from what I can see, Rolander does a quick check of his hands and his person has the seeming that Val casts still in effect on him. It is. Okay. Lerotz is going to take a very, very deep breath. He's just going to suck in the air and he's going to say, oh, Yes, we're in the place indeed. 800 years can't do with the sweet smell of this fair city. His radiance. <sighs> He'd be happy to know it still stands strong. The greatest city on Agadon, indeed. And another deep, just inhale, just... Ah, yes. Approaching his side. So, this is the city, then? We did come to where we needed to go. Ah, but of course. My old sniffers never led me wrong. But, uh, we might check the stars to be sure. And Lerotz is going to look up. Because he doesn't actually... He can't distinguish city by smell. Didn't you say we, like, were awakened by a bright light? Yeah. It's daytime. Oh. So, <laughs> as Lerotz then gets more to his senses, looking upward at the stars, all he sees is one star, the sun. 
And you're sure about that? I mean, 800 years have gone by. Trust me, my lad. Once you've lived as long as I have, you know what it feels like to come home. Come, let's get out of this garden. There's no sense in us waiting here. And as you start moving around out of the garden, you see that it's not just a plain old garden, that there are assortments of wooden tables and chairs that have been set up. And as you approach the manor home, it becomes more and more apparent that this isn't a home. In fact, it's a place of business, an inn or tavern of sorts, perhaps setting up for some kind of grand reception to be held tonight. There is a kin, perhaps the proprietor, perhaps not, outside, fitting different pieces of parchment underneath a message sort of bulletin board, the glass covering unhinged. Littles walks directly to this kin, and with a frankly undeserved amount of confidence, walks up and says, ah, You there? Where are we? This kin is quite startled by your presence, and he just takes in a breath and goes, oh, Deck above. Oh, you, you scared me. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. Lad, if you couldn't hear me coming in this thing here, it's no wonder you're not in the army. I asked you a question. Where are we? What do you mean, where are you? What part of the city are we in? You're on the 12th district, of course. Who are What are you wearing? Oh, what does it look like I'm wearing? It's called battle armor. You never fought a battle, boy? I fought a battle against that hair last night. Oh, it took me out of my mind. I was trying to orient myself. You know how it is. Go to sleep in a park. Wake up in a garden. Happens all the time. <laughs> so 12th district, you say? Oh, fair enough. I'll have to take a quick look around just to localize myself, but I'm sure I can be on my way shortly. Thank you. And he gives him a nice thump on the back. I am terribly sorry, but I must inquire. What, what is your name? <laughs> you don't know who I am. Is the memory of the kid these days so short? There's the name of... Rolander at this point immediately kicks Lerot's not like kicking him, but he kind of like makes a gesture that hits him with his leg to try to put a pause in his speaking before he can say his name. Okay, as so right as Lerot's is about to say his name and Rolander kicks him, Lerot's goes, ah, What is it now? That's the third time you've kicked me, sir. What do you want? You're interrupting my great conversation with her. What was your name again? And... Rolander, who has literally only picked up about 5% of this entire conversation, I'm assuming it's in Kinlish. Yes, of course. He just kind of points to something off in the distance that he thinks is important and just kind of puts a stern look on his face and then walks away in that direction. But he's kind of like checking back and making eye contact with him. It appears as if my drinking friend has decided we have more important things to do. They're not. I'm sure we'll have reason to speak again. A good day to you, sir. He goes after Relinir. After a snap and a flash of light, Mick, Brynjir, and Efron, you land on your feet, hard stone beneath you. You feel the noonday sun beating down upon you. And as you look around, you're right in the middle of a spacious alleyway. It seems on one side, there's a large plaza with kin mulling about. 
and then the other direction ends rather abruptly in a sort of fire escape construction made of wood and scaffolding. You, at least to your knowledge, are in the city of Udeelo, but as none of you have been here before, you don't rightly know. What did the veil just happen to us? Where is everyone? I would say that something went wrong with the spell, and we were separated. Well, at least we weren't cut in half. That is true. That is a very good way of thinking. We must stay as optimistic as Brynja. If I recall correctly, everybody wanted to go to a garden, and it was Val's family garden. Perhaps it would be good to go there, though I do not know Val's family name. I do not as well, but Val did say that kin names are very distinct, so perhaps if we were to introduce ourselves to some friends in town, maybe they could tell us where we live? Meek, you are the only one here that speaks fluent Kinnish. That's not the case. During my time with the kin, I have become quite fluent. Very well. Then I entrust both of you to be able to find the estate. Indeed. You know, since um, I am the lady of the house, perhaps I could do some talking. And I know that you are merely a servant, but perhaps you could just be my bodyguard or something. So you could speak to others. Thoughts? You all know better than I do. These are not my friends. Well, let's go gather some more servants. That's a great way to find where we're supposed to go, right? Uh, Let me explain. (laughs) Let me explain. If we talk in town and say, hey, we need more help to gather supplies and take it back to our place, maybe they can lead the way. That, of course, avoiding suspicion. Unless you have any better ideas. I bet you do. I believe that... If we are looking for a household, it would be better for the servant, possibly a new servant, to ask the location of what what was your kin name? Dirda. For Dirda, and go from there, as we all do not know the family name. We do know that she is Elveret. Perhaps we may be able to find the estate. Uh, Mick, you are proficient with uh, disguises, and you could easily apply some makeup. Perhaps one of us could appear ragged, as if we had been caught in an alleyway or something, set upon by brigands. And then in a dazed and confused state, one of us could ask any of the locals where the Valmas estate was, and they would lead us there and the other two could follow up. What an excellent idea, Ephron! Or perhaps, what if there is some sort of a directory? Oh yes, the yellow pages! Yes, I know exactly. what you mean. I get one at my door every month! <laughs> Perhaps we could go to some sort of an official. Um, perhaps there is a, a mail office, a post office. Uh, some kind of, yes, indeed. Delivery service, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or maybe another official, somebody in town who may know or be well acquainted. Yes. Val did say that they can take very good records of all of their people. So if we are to go there, say we have simply lost our way as we are mere servants and we do not leave the estate very often. I think it's smashing. Your ideas? What do you think? I motion to Brynir. Brynir looks at Mick and responds, Well, it couldn't hurt to try. Then Brynir walks out of the alleyway, leading the group forward. Stepping into the great plaza before you, you see a makeshift market that seems to have been erected for the day. There are many different kin trading wares and showing off their craftsmanship. One calls out to you as you walk by and says, Yes, yes, look, Everett, in our humble, humble neighborhood. 
I do accept your currency if you wish to purchase anything. Hmm, well, what are you selling? All different fineries of sorts from all over. We have... And he directs you over to his humble stall, which has a wide arrangement of different things. It honestly looks like gift shop type wares. So it's little rocks and gems and little wooden figurines, little spinny toys, things that kids would like. It's like, we have many little memorabilia for a duello. I don't know if you Everett are from here or not, but if you are from afar, these are the things that will keep our great mother city in your minds for a very long time. <laughs> and the front just shakes his head. Excuse me, my lady. We should be going. Ah, you're right. I shouldn't be uh, so distracted by these dazzling little items. Let's carry on. Uh, one moment, if you, if you will. Your face. I, I recognize it. Oh, you do? Maybe you've seen me around town? Town? No, no, I, I, not yours. And he looks at Efron. You, you've, you've bought things here before. You, you serve, uh, I assume this family. Yes, I've never seen you outside with the others. Um, do you remember me? My name is Morodoro. Morodoro. Yes, yes. Long time. Long, long time. You say an incredibly broken Kinlish. Well, I'm, I'm keeping the phrases intentionally short, <laughs> almost as if I'm purposefully speaking in fragments of a sentence. I, would Efron know enough to, like, be able to form a Kinlish sentence, or would he kind of take the words he knows and translates them, like, literally? Oh, like he would know about the grammar, but, you know, maybe some of the more particular cases, if there are exceptions to the rules, it's like basic type grammar. He says, and you have a son, am I not mistaken? I, 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 I'm sorry, I forget his name, but how, how is he doing? Good, good. And then looking down at the ground, Efron goes and he tugs on Mick's sleeve and motions for Mick to lean in close. Oh, you must forgive me. <laughs> One second. Yes. And then whispering, Efron says in fellish, but he's keeping his voice very low. He says... You should take the lead here and perhaps say that it is, I don't know, not my taste to speak as a servant in your presence. Good idea. And I turn to Morodo or Mororo. Morodoro. Morodoro. And Mick says, ah, pish posh, do not talk out of turn. How uncivilized. I, please excuse me for my servant speaking to you. We'll be on. I apologize if I've offended you. I, I meant no shame on you or House Sulacel. Please. And he hands a little sparkling stone to who he thinks is Dirda. Would you give this to your servant here on my behalf for his child? Yes, I, I can do that. I think that is a reasonable request. So I take the stone from Morororo and I motion to Ifran and give him the stone. Ifran takes the stone leans in, whispers into Mick's ear, ask if he has a map. And then, taking the stone back, he just says, many thanks, my friend. Wonderful. And then I, uh, uh, Mick asks Morororo, um, actually, before we leave, do you happen to have a map? I do not, but I am well acquainted with many cartographers in this very square who sell their wares and trade such things. A map of what do you desire? Ah, you know, just the beautiful city that we all live in. Ah, yes, yes. It is once for many of us to 
want to gaze upon the beautiful architecture of the mother city. Oh, yes, Would of course. Would you not prefer a painting or some artistic embellishment of this beautiful thing? Now, I wish I, I could afford that. Well, actually, um, the reason it's not for me, it's for um, his little boy, in fact. A birthday gift. <laughs> ah, I see. Well, then, allow me to do a favor, then, for a friend. There is an elfkin over there, and he points about six, seven stalls away where you see a larger elfkin woman who is hanging different pieces of parchment in front of her stall. Or actually, it seems she seems to be gathering them up as you look closely. Maybe she's shutting down for the day, or at least taking a break, as it is going into the afternoon. He says, her there. She will provide you a map. Just tell her I sent you. Oh, lovely. Thank you so much. We'll be moving on then. I wish you well. I wish you well as well. Toodaloo! <laughs> as Rolandier walks down the street a little ways, you are still disguised as an Elvaret. Leirots, in your time, Elvaret were not common in parts of the city that were not cordoned off for them. That's something you would know. You wouldn't know if that's changed. Does Leroth indeed follow uh, Rolandier away? Yes, he does. Okay, so he he doesn't lead him too far away. He just kind of gets him far enough away that he can speak to him in Felish um, without, you know, other people hearing necessarily that they're speaking Felish. And he kind of gets up close to Leroth and says, Now, I think it would be wise if we decide first what our story is and two and this is very important because you are the only one who can fluently communicate with these people we need to have a goal a plan we need to meet up with the others as quickly as possible it's good that we know where we are that the 12th district but that doesn't help me out very much at least uh, i i think there was something that Val had mentioned about uh, a, a, a section off of where his home was, I, I don't know, but it couldn't hurt to ask. It's a fairly simple thing, depending on how much has changed over the last 800 years. In the past, the Alvarez generally kept to themselves, and not too much to do with the rest of us kin. Uh, really stuck out bastards, if you ask me. But uh, anyways, we uh, should merely find their location, and Val seemed to be uh, of a fairer sort, but uh, an Alvarez is an Alvarez. There aren't too many of them. Once we get there, we ask Rad. We should be able to find them fast enough. Follow me. Yeah, well, last thing. Because I, in kind of gesturing to himself, appear as an Elvaret, and it might seem silly if an Elvaret does not know where to find other Elvarets, we must make it apparent that I am not from the city. I am someone, preferably a mute, coming to visit family or relatives are looking for work. I don't know. You can think up on your feet what the cause is, but I'm... Oh, no need, my friend. There's no requirement to speak in elf, Elfkin society. You know, it's, uh, we respect a man's privacy, and it's all hers, to be honest. A woman's just as private as a man. We respect their privacy to speak and do what they will. No need to worry. But keep your mouth shut and I'll find you there. Though I must tell you, I'm not quite sure. Last I checked, the 12th district was in fact the Elveret district. Yeah, it must be where I got confused, so it looks like they've changed things up. But no worry. We'll find it. We'll find it. Good. Good. And do keep a low profile. I understand that can be difficult at times, but 
be as you are. Maybe withhold your name. You would have me hide who I am and uh, no, dishonor no. my name by not speaking it? I would have you keep it a surprise until the proper moment. Well, sir, you're a fool. It's much better that I not say it at all. Are you crazy? If I told everyone who I was, they would know that the great general has come back and I'd be shipped off to go fight the humans. Ugh, you, you godborn really need to think more. All right. I do need a name, though. Ah, Valentine sounds like a good one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's Val's name, right? That's Val's actual name? Yeah, well, it's Val's human disguise name. Oh, bumchucks! I need one that's kin. Because that's definitely I? not a kin name. Well, ac- no, actually, Valentine Valentine works as a kin name. Okay, perfect. Go with that. Do I know Valentine's actual kin name? I think you would. It's Valmes. His surname is Sulisel. So you would be looking for the Sulisel residence, and you are Valentine. That's me. As LaRote says his name is Valentine, Rolandier goes to say something. And then smacks himself on the forehead. Yeah, he he just goes along with it. He falls into his character as a mute over it. <laughs> as you two continue on your way down the road a little further, you actually hear the voice behind you. It's the proprietor of this inn, this establishment up the hill. And he says, hold on, just one moment, please. Ah, yes, of course, sir, what you need. And he comes up to you and he has a fabric in his hand wrapped in a little bundle. And he says, you looked rather confused, lost. And, well, I would never want a kin in my family to be found as such. And I pray for your circumstances, friend. And hopefully this will help you on your way. And he hands you a warm wrapped loaf of bread. What a kind man. Taking this warm wrapped loaf of bread... Ledot says, You, sir, have forever the gratitude of Valentine. That is me, sir, Valentine. I am truly grateful for not only your generosity, but also your pure demonstration of the greatness of kinless society. Could you help me, sir? I am looking for the Elvret district, and I seem to have trouble localizing myself. Could you, in fact, indicate the way for me? Yes, of course. I would be more than happy to assist. Uh, And it is, of course, a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Valentine. I am Eketo. Eketo, if you're ever in the army and you need a man to help you out, just find me. I'll be sure to put in a good word. Are you looking for something specific in the Elveret districts? I'm looking for the Sulexel home. An acquaintance of mine has requested my assistance. Ah, I... (laughs) I know them, in fact... They, well, I do not know where they live, to be honest, but they have actually booked my establishment for a reception later today. Ah, so soon? Well, this evening, to be precise. It is yet morn. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. As much as I would like to, to wait and find them, if you could point us in the district, we were going to take a quick peek around. They did, in fact, ask me um, uh, might be about this very event, so I'd hate to do the injustice of waiting until the event that I need my assistance on to offer such assistance. Of course, yes. I'm I'm sure I have their address written down in my ledger and records of some sort. Please. And he gestures back up to his establishment. If you'll come with me, I can also give you something to drink and while I search through this information for you. 
Uh, true, Jemsa, though I must ask that we stick to water. I think I've had my fill of the heavier stuff. <laughs> A crazy night indeed. Of course, yes. <laughs> Please, um, and your friend, your ward, he kind of tilts his head. Has he a name? Rolandir can at least make out the word name and recognize that the man is looking at him. And so he simply gives a shallow bow of his head and says, Thakros. Thakros, yes. I am Aketo. It is pleasure to meet you. Offers another shallow bow with a smile. <laughs> Thakros doesn't talk much. It fits an Elvaret, honestly, to be haughty. <laughs> <laughs> he turns excitedly and goes back up the avenue to his large tavern. Do you two follow? Yeah, I do follow. And I uh, I take out the little loaf, you know, and I kind of rip off a chunk and I hand it to the uh, Kroos. And I take a larger chunk, as I am a chunkier guy. Uh, I start scarfing down some bread. It's a delightful, it's a, it's a honey wheat, actually. There's a slight sweetness. Very, very nice depth of flavor. Uh, very nutty, one might say. Very well baked, very well baked. As you make your way back up to this tavern, he stops for just a minute at the bulletin board and turns to Le Rots and says, Sir Valentine, if you would not mind just placing the rest of these bulletins inside here and closing it up, and he hands you a little key, if you accept. Ah, but of course, uh, anything to serve you. And yeah, he takes him out and takes the key. Master Thecros, if you'll follow me inside, I can provide you with more sustenance and then we can get down to this business with the Sulisel household. Thakros understood the word follow, and he's going to just kind of wait and see which one of them leaves, and he's going to follow whichever one goes. <laughs> so Aketo walks inside the tavern. Okay. It, and Lerotz is just kind of standing by this... Uh... Lerotz does not even care. Like, he's totally fallen back into society. He's not even thinking about the fact that Rolando doesn't actually really speak Kimlish. He's like, oh, of course I'll help you do this. You know, you've been so kind to me. Let me take care of this. Literally not even thinking about you. So Rolando takes a brief moment of hesitation, realizes that Lerotz is just in a world of his own, putting these things in, and he walks in to go follow Aketo. As we're walking, I address Efron and Mick. Something occurred to me. It may be best if we, when we do find the location of, you said, uh, Val's family, that we approach cautiously, as uh, it appears we are members of, of his household. I agree, but perhaps that will let us in. Unless, of course, it is the people whose faces we wear that come to the gates. That would be very confusing. Yes, we just must be cautious. I agree. Now, let us obtain the map. Preferably one with all of the names of the estates of the Everett families. Now that we know the family name, we should be able to deduce the location from the map and be on our way. Brilliant idea. Quick, before she leaves! And then we run to the booth. As she's just packing up her last map, you reach her. Excuse me, my lady. She stands a little startled and then turns and... Ah, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I don't sell my maps. I do not take your money. You'll have to do business elsewhere. I'm sorry. You must not recognize me. My name is Deirdre, um, but Mororodo actually sent us. And then a, a flash of realization goes through her eyes and she says, ah! <laughs> Mororodo. Yes, of course, of course. And she kind of gets on her tippy toes and flashes a big smile and waves across the plaza and says, ah, what do you need, my friends? I 
I apologize for my my attitude. I do not deal with Elverette in any capacity, to be honest. Your kind does not grace these plazas very often. What is it you require? We require a map. And let me be a little more specific, as you have all these maps in your hands currently. What we would like is um, maybe a map of the city and all the households. Do you have something like that? Uh, that is something else. I, I, I do have different maps that are laid out by districts. Oh, is that the, if that's the closest thing to what we're looking for, I say we'll take it. Yes, of course. What what district would you like? Oh, yes. Well, of course, the district that we are in, the Sulacel household. Of course. Seeing as, like I said, I do not get very many Elveret customers, I do not have very many maps of Elveret's neighborhoods. Um, one, one moment, please. At this point, Chris, will you just roll a performance check for me? Sweet. Oh. <laughs> Dane, 11. As she fishes through her bags and finally pulls out one, she seems to have been taken a little longer, maybe even on purpose. And she hands you this map. It's older, but she says, this is the Elveret district that your household is from. Here, you may have it. And she holds it out. It's not that she's looking at you suspiciously, but she just... You can tell that she doesn't have a good feeling about this conversation, but she can't put her finger on it. Again, whispering to Mick, Tell her we do not leave the estate very often, and that we do not know our way around the city very well. Well, as you can tell, we don't leave the estate very often. In fact, we, we don't really know where we are, and we don't come around these parts very, very often. So we just need a little um, direction from this map. Oh, I see. Well, I cannot point you to your estates. I have never been there, but... If you go, and she points to one of the corners of the plaza, if you go to that corner of the plaza and then turn in the opposite direction, you will see a large clock tower. To the left of that clock tower, in the hills, past it, that will be the neighborhood you wish to travel to. It is quite a number of paces from here. That will be all. Thank you so very much for your help. And in return, what can we give you? I, no, nothing. Thank you. I... I must get home. I have to eat and feed my children. Yes, I understand. Well, lovely meeting you. Thank you very much. Of course. And she turns back to her work and finishes packing up. Toodles. How did that go? That was really uh, that was a little rough, huh? Let's, let's just uh, quicken your pace, please. Very good. That could have been much worse. You're right. I think she was on to us. But perhaps it is best if we... Remain relatively quiet. It would not be good for others to overhear us speaking in Polish. Shall we be off? Are you following her instructions? Yeah, yes. we're going towards the hill. You know, we go to the, the corner, corner yeah. we look for the clock tower, go into the hills to the left of that, find the second start of the right, onward till dawn. <laughs> um, it's going to take you a couple hours to walk. It's an enormous city laid out between flatlands and hills and stretching even into mountains. So it'll take maybe two hours on foot to navigate to the correct neighborhood district. If only Lyrian was here, he just summoned some of those horses. If only we were in a big city where an Elver at woman of status could get like a carriage. If only, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so we're turning around the corner and, of course, going through the city. Um, Mick is going to be looking around for some other means of transportation so we can expedite this process. You see none. Oh, crud. Do we see a lot of people? Yes, plenty. But it would be dutiful to note that you are the only Elvaret that you see. Everyone else is Elfkin. Are we noticing that people are looking at us strangely or is it like different behavior? Some of them might give you a longer glance, but nothing uncouth. Has anybody ever noticed that we're the only Elvaret here? Is it possible to change our disguises? Oh, please. I've been doing this for years. Of course. Let me go get my makeup bag. No, no. I meant the intent that Val woke upon us. Unfortunately, I do not know of any spells that can reverse this. What about yourself, Brynir? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but my specialty lies in melee rather than magic. Very well, then I suppose we will just have to deal with the sideways glances and make our way to the Elvaret district. Ryan, just a quick question, just so I can understand the distinction between Elvaret and Elfkin. What, what's like the main features that would, you know, like give us a way that we're Elvaret? You're scrawnier. You're a little shorter. Ah, oh, dang it. If only we had some padding. As they're going along, Efron is looking at this map and he is looking at all of the estates and seeing which ones have gardens. At least 80% of them as you're taking a look. Okay. And are any of these labeled? It seems they are, but the Kinlish that it's written in seems to be more calligraphy than like plain writing. So at least for Ifran, it's nigh impossible to make out what they say. Brynir, Mik, could one of you perhaps read what these labels are on the map? I am unable to. Here, let me see it. And Ifran hands him the map. Ah, look at the map. <laughs> Let's have you roll history. That's right. A skill that's never used. I know, right? 17. Okay. You're walking along and it takes you a good half hour to finally decode this. You're kind of writing on the backside of this map as you go what these different letters and numerals denote. But you are able to identify the Sulis L household. And by this time, you've still got another hour of hoofing it. To the neighborhood. The rest of your hour goes by pretty uneventfully. You're not stopped by anyone. You don't notice anything out of the ordinary. You do see one other Elvaret, but they seem pretty engrossed in their task. They're probably a servant running errands for a household. And as you reach the neighborhood, it is guarded. There's a little checkpoint manned by two Elfkin. So motioning to the group to stop about a block away and speaks to them and says, all right. As you can see, it's uh, moderately guarded at the gate. Here's a plan. I look like Deirda, right? I could get us in. Bada beam, bada boom. We go in the back and uh, we meet them in the garden. Yes, that sounds very good to me. No objections from me. We move forward. Inside the tavern with Aketo and Rolandia disguised as the Elveret Thekros. He pours you a drink, sets it on a table, and motions for you to sit down, pulling out a chair. And then he fills a small stoneware cup with water. And then he fills a second one, and he puts those both on the table as well. He's given you a sort of spiced wine of sorts, a kin variety that 
Verlandir's never drank before, but it's tart and it's pleasant in your mouth as you swish it around for just a moment. And as he goes over to the counter and pulls out his ledger, starts flipping through it, he says, if you wouldn't mind me asking, but how is it that you and Valentine know the Sulisel family? I have not been acquainted with them for long, I'll be honest, but they seem to be illustrious, at least when it comes to Elvaret, gesturing to you. I am quite ignorant on the matter, I must admit. Rolandir utters the words, they are friends. And he gives a nod, and he takes a drink of his spiced wine. And Akato just gives you a couple nods and continues looking through his book, and by this time, Lerotz's task is complete. Lerotz walks in. Um, Is there anything odd in the air between the two of them? Like, is it... Does he think it's like, oh, this is kind of weird that this guy doesn't talk this much? Or is it more of a, oh, this is pretty normal for Elvarez, so he's just kind of grumpy. Uh, roll insight for me. Is that five on that uh, insight roll there? <laughs> Honestly, this seems pretty par for the course, to your knowledge. All right, then upon arriving, seems you've already sat down to the drink again. Yeah, you can't keep the drink out of this one. And they don't smacks uh, Rillandir on the back. Ersa, did you happen to find that address for us? He would be tremendously indebted to you, sir. Tremendously indeed. Yes, yes. One one moment, please. I, I was just going through these expenses in here, and usually we write up some invoices and have those parceled out over a number of months, as the business we conduct here is one that is utilized by the higher tiers. However, it seems the Sulacels paid a lump sum and did not leave any sort of forwarding address for their communications. Honestly, there have only been servants that have come between us and them in these times, making last-minute arrangements for this party and so forth. It is a large occasion, though. If you are friends of theirs, I'm sure they would not mind you being on the registry and- Uh, But of course not. He is in fact the godfather of my sixth son. Oh, indeed. Here we should be. Very well. I tell you what. Why don't you put us up in a couple of rooms here? We'll contribute as needed around the inn here, and when they come in, we'll present ourselves and have a darn good talking to. If we can't find them there, at least we can find them here. Yes, yes, indeed. I I think that would be a wonderful arrangement. I am actually a couple short of hands right now. Two of my workers suffered injuries. (laughs) Sparring. You know, as... Young kin, ah. Uh, I know how it is. Oh, I remember those days, a young lad there in finishing school. Had to always give a good fight or two. Just keep yourself worked up, ready for the military. Oh, but no, I can work, and my friend here is just as strong as any other Elveret. Though he is no elfkin. Maybe keep him to the counting. His uh, lifting is less helpful. Well, then, why don't you two take a moment to get settled in upstairs, and then once you meet me back down here, I'll have a list of tasks that we can set about and my other employees will have joined us by then as well. Ah, true, gentlemen, sir. We will just do that. Uh, what, what rooms could we take? Yes, yes. And he reaches behind the counter and he looks up as he's about to take out these two keys. He says, would you care for a shared room or separate? Shared is fine. We'll only be here for the day. No need to put you out of two rooms. Uh, I appreciate it. They will be rather full. I assume the Sulisels will have many guests from outside. Ooh, the yellow. Here, 
and he hands you a key. This should have three bunks inside. It is one of our most spacious rooms. Ah, excellent, sir. Then we will see you shortly. And uh, he kind of gestures for Raylandir to follow him, as I'm sure he did not catch the entire conversation. And he takes the key and he's kind of going up there and kind of starts organizing things. And he's going to talk a bit slower to Raylandir once they get inside the room. As you head to the upper floors, this inn is actually has four stories to it. Yours is just on the second floor, however, and it's not far down the hallway that you reach this spacious room. He really wasn't kidding. It is a more than modestly sized for three people. There are two lavatories. There's a full kitchen area. There's a study, a place where you can sit and converse with a small hearth and large windows overlooking the northern hills and neighborhood as it stretches on. It's nice, to say the very, very least. Turning to uh, Raylander, it says, All right, now I've managed to secure us an easy way to find the rest of them. Val's family will be coming down for a party later today, and if I have my mind of anything, I think Val might be accompanying them. So it's simple. We wait here, do a little work. I mean, what a great society where you arrive, you work, and you receive. No need for any of this barbaric money to change hands. No, no, no. An honest reward for honest labor. Indeed. You barbarians can learn something. Y- yes, anyway. yes, yes, but g- getting on to the point, Lerots. Look, we've got about uh, eight hours to the party. We're going to put in some work and then a little bit of prep time. I might say, you should sharpen up, but to be honest... It's all fake, anyways. So, uh, good luck. I, on the other hand, what, what, what do you what do you mean? Do a bit of work? What, what exactly are we doing? Uh, I believe you will most likely be counting things, accountant, writing, bookkeeping. That's more of an Elfred's line of work. I'll probably be employed in hauling. Honest work, indeed. All right, come. They're waiting for us. Are you going to change out of your attire at all? Yeah. Oh, so he strips off uh, the full plate armor he's wearing <laughs> and he leaves the weapons um, and he kind of digs through his pack and he has some just kind of casual workers clothes. Like imagine if a guy had Carhartt clothes in fantasy land. That's what he's wearing. So then as Leirotes changes and then starts to head back down, does Rolandier go with him? Yes. As you make your way back downstairs in the establishment... Aketo has gathered a, a couple other employees have shown up. Aketo quickly introduces you to them. He says, this is Thigres and Valentine. They will be helping us today to prepare for the Sulacel's reception. Please show them the kindness as you would a brother or sister. And they all greet you rather warmly, smiles and nods. Very respectful, especially toward Lerots. Not that they're less respectful toward... Rolandier, it's just, it's obvious to them that he is an older kin. Whether or not he's a high tier in the society, he's still of a revered age. Now, Eketo starts handing out tasks to all the employees and over with Thekros and finally Valentine, he says, Now, the two of you, if you will not mind, we have a set of tables. These long tables that the entire Sulisel family will be seating at. There was a problem last time we employed them and something snapped in the rigging or in the woodwork underneath. I'm not quite sure. If either of you are good with crafts, 
or have any experience in those tiers or professions, it would be greatly useful here. Otherwise, I can set you about a different work. What say you? Well, I can tell you that back in the campaign fighting against those barbarians, I managed to hold a catapult together using naught but twine and one of my own teeth. So I think I can fix this table. Aketo gives a hearty chuckle. <laughs> yes, yes, I think you'll do nicely, and Thekros, you would not mind helping him then. Rolandir, who had kind of been zoning out while Lerotz was going on and on about <laughs> something, he just kind of looks up at Lerotz with kind of these unknowing eyes. Uh, Lerotz then turns and just says, eh, Don't worry, he'll come with me. He's just a bit shy, particularly after he shows up blasted drunk in the morning. He's, uh... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's got a bit more shame. Comes with being young. All right. We'll take care of it, though. Don't you worry. So as you are shown to the back and are given these tools to repair this table, it's a it was a simple mechanism that allowed the legs to fold in, but they are these sturdy wood-constructed legs, and just this mechanical system that kept them in place seemed to be scratching and had rusted a bit. It takes you a few good hours, but you're able to replace it without much difficulty. While assisting Lerotz in repairing and strengthening this table, Rolandier is eagerly working with Lerotz to kind of learn, you know, some of the more common words and phrases in Kinlish. He'd already been starting to pick up a bit more. Um, he's kind of adjusting, remembering some of the things that he'd learned from the wardens as he was training there. And by the end of the time that they are working on this table, he does feel that he has at least a, a better working grasp of the things that are being spoken. And you're able to pick it up rather quickly, and especially with the gift that Sindur has given you. As you finish your work and Aketo inspects it and is thoroughly satisfied, he sets the pair of you off on a number of other tasks that consume the rest of the day, to be honest. As the sun begins to set and night approaches, guests are starting to arrive and check into their rooms and such. You're asked to help with luggage and other fineries and just small tasks. Do you oblige? Yes. Lerotz does, um, and he is he's very busy during this time as he's doing this. Um, so a lot of these visitors are Elveret, I assume? Yes, but there are some Elfkin as well. So among the Elfkin, since there is this kind of egalitarian meritocracy, it's not really shameful to do manual labor, even if you're of a higher social class or age or thing. So, you know, he's he's having a good time kind of conversing and talking, even though he's talking in an odd way. Most people find it kind of funny how he talks because it's so old fashioned. But he's, you know, so he's talking this odd way, but he's having a good time as he carries bags and does all these things that in another culture might be seen as degrading for someone. Lerotz is obviously reveling in the opportunity to do something simple, yet useful. And honestly, with the other Elfkin that are party goers, they seem to be in the exact same mindset and they though lavishly dressed and obviously of great importance in their own rights don't hesitate to quote-unquote debase themselves to pouring drinks and helping set tables the elvered on the other hand go and lounge in their rooms or in common areas or outside but any elfkin that are attending this party are also eager to help It is the late afternoon, almost evening now. The sun has begun to set as Mick, Ifran, 
and Brynjir approach the checkpoint into the Elvoret neighborhood. As you approach, the guards hail you down, and when you're close enough, one of them asks who they believe is Dierda. My lady, please, if you would submit your identification and tear. Would Brynjir know whether or not those are like that's just a thing that they say or is it actually a physical like paper like social security card or like passport actually that's more realistic <laughs> Brynir would know because I think Brynir has a like a middling knowledge of kin society it is a paper yes like it's a physical thing excuse me my lady I, I'm ashamed to say that I uh, forgot your papers what a dang shame you must forgive my servant here. You forgot the papers if you didn't hear. I I will go retrieve them. Please, please wait for me over here. No, I, I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> my lady, we, we apologize, of course. And he puts his hand on the grip of his sword at his hip, and he takes a menacing step toward who he thinks is Lisvath, but is actually Brynjir, and looking at you says... I swear to Deck, this will be the last time you forget. Got it? Restraining himself for his natural action is uh, to confront the person, especially if they're threatening towards him. Yes, my sir. My lady, I apologize for the inconvenience. We will mark you down in the logbook as usual, and you may go on your way. Enjoy your evening. And please, our courtesies to your husband. (laughs) Much obliged. Of course. Thank you very much. As you pass through the checkpoint, having diffused the situation to a degree, uh, Seth, I'm going to give you a point of inspiration for acting on Brynjir's virtue of restraint. So, within the borders now of this gated community, this very pomp place, these houses are decked out to the nines like they are lavish they are extravagant it is very ostentatious gaudy even unlike the rest of the city that you've been walking in obviously the elveret have free reign here to do as they will brinier you said you have decoded this map which one of these houses then belongs to house sulisal yes this one over here in the northeast then let us make our way there and perhaps we can up the wall and get into the gardens or something. Yeah, we'll get our bearings once we're there. Once yes, we understand exactly. the environment. Very good. Then Brynir, please, lead the way. As Brynir uh, decides to take the lead, he actually addresses Mick and attempts to get to know him a bit better. Excuse me, but I do not actually know your name. I have been uh, neglectful in that aspect. Oh, well, I'm not offended at all. My name is Mick, or you may call me Mickey, if you please. Very well, Mick. Uh, What can you tell me about yourself? Well, what is there to tell about myself? We'll leave it there. (laughs) Well, I'm a a little bit, uh, I'm not really around, from around these parts. That's what I can tell you. I love the loot. I could actually have it with me right now if you like me to play it. I am indifferent to that but uh, if that would please you then go ahead actually yes it will please me and mick takes out the loot and starts to play a little ditty and uh, kind of under his breath brinier says i figured it might 
at the conclusion of this leisurely stroll through the neighborhood, not wanting to draw any attention to yourselves and serenading any lucky listeners. Just playing the loot out in the open. <laughs> Don't mind us. <laughs> you reach the Sulisel estate. It is a very large house with different wings and multiple stories and a lavish garden bordered by an iron fence and a large hedge. Val, Val. I do not hear anything. Are we at the back or at the front? You're just kind of at the side. Well, maybe one of us should hoist the other up. That will not be necessary. And Efron moves back a couple of paces and he looks at... Now, is this is this just a wall or is, is it just like iron pickets? It's like a six foot tall iron fence and then like a eight foot tall hedge behind it. All right. Efron backs himself up a couple of paces and then he runs straight at this fence and with a little bit of footwork... He runs vertically right to the top of it, placing his feet on some of the pickets, and then he just hops right over. As you tumble down gracefully into the garden, you see a beautiful array of shrubs and topiaries and a nice fountain, but no other souls. If Ron takes a little look around, he says, there is nobody here. It is safe for you to come over if you can hoist me up and then climb up yourself. You're quite a tall fellow. And then uh, Efron is just, he's looking around. He takes note of where uh, the estate proper is. And then he's looking for any signs that Val would have left if Val were here. By the time Mick and Brynjir are able to hop the fence, it's a few good minutes. And it's grown a little darker now. The sun has dipped behind the mountains and you can see the stars in the sky above you. Do a perception check, Efron. 12. Looking around... There isn't anything in the garden that you note particularly out of the ordinary. Of course, you've never been here before, but you would know if Val had set something up to tell you that he was here to make his presence known. In fact, the estate itself seems empty as of right now. There aren't any lights on inside. You don't hear or see any movement. You are alone. Perhaps it would be best if we made ourselves at home. It could be a while yet before uh, the others arrive here. And perhaps, who knows, they might have some fine wines that we may imbibe. Yes, <laughs> what a marvelous idea. What do you say, Brynir? The only thing that gives me pause is the, the boy with the intent. Say this doesn't last forever? No, it does not. But I figure it is better to be well fed than to be out in the middle of the streets when the spell wears off. Well, I wouldn't mind a, a good drink myself, but what if there are people inside? No, it is quite all right. You see, I do not see any lights on in the estate, at least not that I can tell. And it, I do not believe it is quite late enough for everyone to have gone to bed. So I believe that the house is most likely empty. If you would like, we can come inside and establish that there is no one there. And I can poke around for a few moments just to ensure that we do not disturb any of the residents. And then we can relax, gain our strength back, and wait for the others to arrive. Very well. It's still concerning that no one would be here, or evidence of anybody would be here. There's something unsettling about this place. So, unless anybody has any other objections, Efron goes to one of the doors, opens it up, and motions everybody to come inside. 
the estate isn't locked and it's it's dark inside. Efron goes, lights a candle, remembering that Luca always had a candle learns burns longer than a torch. And, uh, you know, he just kind of starts exploring and he makes his way to the kitchens, seeing what kind of wine and other beverages they have. And then, you know, seeing if there's anything, perhaps some sort of a cellar where they might have cured meats or, you know, fine cheeses or anything like that. You are able to find a lot of dried provisions, cheeses and other things that will hold for a while. There doesn't seem to be much fresh food around. Water is scarce at least cold water, but you are able to find good supplies of wine and other drink. That sates you for now and the next little while that you spend. So after we've eaten, Mick wants to have a look around, and so Mick starts exploring a little bit of the house outside the kitchen. So as I'm exploring and looking around, do I notice anything out of line or anything out of the ordinary? Out of line, no, because everything is immaculately kept, but out of the ordinary, maybe, because it seems everything is coated in a thin layer of dust, not just a day's worth either. People haven't been here in a number of days, maybe weeks. It's strange, and as you continue poking around different rooms, upstairs, downstairs, going into the separate wings, you find the same story over and over again. Okay, I return back to Brunier and Mick goes, I think you're onto something, Brunier. I looked around and I didn't see a soul. Not only that, but it looks like people haven't been here for, for a very, very long time. Something's wrong here. Where's Ifron? Ifron, uh, after relaxing for you know, a couple of hours, having a, a few drinks, some cured meat and stuff, and uh, thinking about all the different luxuries that he sees around him and kind of gawking in amazement at the Elvret way of life. He goes outside for a little bit of fresh air and to just maybe do a bit of stargazing. So he goes out onto a nice patio where they have some chairs and sits down and he looks up at the sky with a glass of wine in one of his hands. Now, Afran is a man of the world. He's traveled far. He knows how to navigate, right? Yes. Efron's been on many trade routes, and he knows all the different tricks of how to navigate during the day and during the night, and he, he, he knows his way around. As you look up into the sky, you notice something strange, and maybe even a look of doubt or suspicion crosses your face, double-checking your own memories with what you see above you. Very puzzled, Efron leans forward, and he looks and he says, No, that cannot be right. No, I am sure of it. And he sets his cup down and walks back inside. Brinier, Mick, please, come, 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 come. It's strange, after inspecting the whole house, it, it seems that it's been weeks, maybe even months, since anybody's been here. That is very strange. Now come outside with me, please. It is very important that you see this. And he ushers them out onto the patio. He says, look up at the stars. I do not know if either of you know very much about this, but as the planet moves in its orbit, the stars change places. The stars are in the wrong place. What, what do you mean, the wrong place? Now, I do not know how the teleportation spell works, but I do know that something went wrong. And from the position of the stars, I can only be led to conclude we are in the correct place, but a month too soon. So as the night approaches more and more, Aketo has one final favor to ask of the both of you, and as he pulls you aside, he says... Now, I know that both of you are 
looking to speak with the master of the Sulisel house and perhaps his wife. But I do have one very small favor to ask before we begin the celebrations in earnest. But of course, what can we do for you, sir? In the cellar, there is a ripe barrel of Kinnish Enwar. I've been saving it for just such an occasion. And Master Sulisel has asked me to take it out for this very special party. If you two would please go to the cellar and find said barrel and bring it up, I would be most grateful. It would start the party off with just the right mood. Of course. Uh, I could not think of a better way to spend our time. Come, we'll find it. And let's get this party started. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Verlandir very much now, you know, being able to understand more, understands the gravity of the favor, follows the roads into the cellar to go fetch the barrel. Ammon, why don't you do a perception check as you're looking around for this? Oh, am I going to get conked on the head? What's my perception? No, I think we're going to pick the wrong barrel. <laughs> Ooh, that would be bad. Okay. 15. As you're looking around... I mean, there are quite a f- number of barrels in this cellar, but it's not till you get to the back where there are smaller ones that, you know, two people could easily carry that this smell starts to tickle your nostrils. And it is a sweet, beautiful smell. You've had this particular drink probably once before in your life, and it is not one that you easily forget. You know exactly what barrel to take. Since the party was started, Lidolz did take a couple of seconds to go upstairs and wax his head before he came back down to do some work. That Not wax as in pull hair out, but wax as in make it nice and shiny. Oh, um, right, right. Okay. I, could, you're bald. I could see the confusion on Brett's face, and I just needed to clarify. And then he comes down, and he sees this, and there's literally a tear coming down from his eye, and he says, You know, I'm not going to lie. I didn't quite believe what I heard, but you... You are about to have an experience that not many of your barbarous kind have had. Come, help me with this. This will change your very existence, lad. And Rolander eagerly assists him. As the two of you grasp this barrel heartily, happily, carrying it upstairs, is like, Leirotz is obviously into this whole occasion. Has Rolander sort of let down his guard and at least enjoying himself a little bit? As we know from his time aboard Captain Kilnaeus's ship, anything that involves just kind of losing himself in work, Rylandir gets very much into. So he, you know, as he got to learn the language better, can understand kind of what's going on, just being a part of it, he's he's quite excited. And not only that, but he also knows they're about to meet Val's family, which is something that's interested him for quite some time. So as you make your way back up to the parlor and then outside, Aketo greets you and says, oh, perfect, perfect. Wait for Master Tsenres to begin his speech, and as he introduces his son, why don't you carry forward the barrel? As, of course, my gift. It, it would do me the greatest honor. Of course, sir. It would be my honor as well. So, as a large Elvaret in the most elegant clothing stands in front of this long table that's been arrayed and set for this family to take seat on. All the other party guests have stopped mulling around and they've gathered in this larger courtyard. Lanterns are burning. There's musical accompaniment. It's a very soft, quiet night. It's beautiful. It's calm. 
And as Senres, Val's father, starts speaking, he says, Welcome all. We are honored to have you here. It is my greatest honor. And Eketo from behind you too is like, go, go, go. Start walking forward, carrying the barrel. You you pierce through the middle of the group, now in the center of this courtyard, walking toward Senres at the table. He says, it is my greatest honor to celebrate this momentous occasion of my beautiful son, Valmes, and his fifth birthday. And this boy comes and stands by Senres, whose eyes just go absolutely wide, looking at the pair of you. And Leirotz, looking at Senres and Valmes, and then back over to Rolandir, and then back at Val and his dad, but then back at Rolandir, because he's human again. <laughs>